0: Hey listeners, this episode is going to be slightly different from the norm. You're going to hear the introduction being read by my co-author, Jenny Black, from our new book, Our Digital Soul: Collective Anxiety, Media Trauma, and a Path Toward Recovery. Now, I've talked about this book on the podcast periodically on and off now for about a year, and it's finally out. Now, Our Digital Soul is going to guide you through the overwhelming maze of modern life. To the life you really want, and it takes a hard look at the impacts of digital media and the trauma that results for all ages and every generation. Now, Jenny Black is a marriage and family therapist. As many of you know, I'm a digital marketing executive and an expert in behavioral and organizational psychology. The book takes a really hard look at Digital Media, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And it's backed by extensive research, experience, and Jenny and I share our own unique personal journeys, as well as those of of her clients and other people to explore the effects, the science behind it, and a path where we can recover and thrive alongside our digital reality. Now, so far, the book is endorsed by Stephen Pressfield, Jeff Goines, Ian Morgan Cron, CJ Cassiota, Andrew McLuhan, and many others. So it's really getting some traction. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes, so you can go ahead and look there if you want to click through and get a copy, or you can just search it on Amazon. It's really helpful, if you could, to buy it now and leave a review as a big launch during the first week helps get the word out faster. I just want to thank you so much for listening to The Human Voice, and here is Jenny Black reading the introduction to our digital soul.
1: Introduction. Jenny was hurrying out of the house and leaned to hug her son, curled up in the corner of the couch, definitely not okay. When she asked, he reluctantly told her he watched a video of a cop shooting a black man. This was not George Floyd. This was 2016, and her son was a senior in high school. He almost didn't tell her what was going on because he knew everything his mother knew about trauma we received through media. But he was a journalist at heart and had to know. He had to see it for himself, like most. Jenny was angry these injustices happened in the first place. Angry real-life traumas are available to watch whenever we want. Angry, these traumas are shared to traumatize more innocent people, many children and adolescents in delicate stages. She was also angry with her son for watching it, but mostly angry she couldn't do anything to protect him. However, she had to let it go because her son was in pain. Thankfully, she'd had the awareness to slow down and be with him. He talked through what he saw, what it did to him, and why he watched it. Coincidentally, Jenny and her husband went to Chicago that week, where the shooting had taken place. As soon as they arrived, every television set showed the breaking news in Dallas, five officers killed as payback for the shooting their their son had watched. They were terrified along with everyone else, but on the streets of Chicago, in their hotel, in the concert arena, everywhere they went was a kindness and compassion. Everyone knew the city had been been traumatized and there was a palpable sensitivity to it. When Jenny and her husband came home, their son updated them on the latest news. He was angry, scared, and uncertain, like we all were. Jenny said, Brandon, don't let your phone tell you about the world. Let your world tell you about itself. What would you believe about life if you hadn't read the news? He looked around and said, people are nice. They would help us if we needed them. It's a beautiful night. I'm enjoying time with you guys. Life is good. Media outlets, including social media platforms, are businesses. They are paid for every minute we watch, not for empowering us to make a difference. Before the information age, we needed to know what was happening in the world to learn how to help and take action. This was essential to heal a broken country during the Great Depression. It was through awareness and shared stories that the civil rights movement took root. It was the gaping wound of the Holocaust that called out to us to never be ignorant again. These were before 24-7 access to a million versions of a million global tragedies. But it doesn't take a clinical psychologist to assess today's situation. The kind of media we consume and how much is harming us individually and as a society. One of the first times Bob and Jenny met to discuss writing this book, he asked, Pretend you're an alien who came to Earth. You still have your experience in education in psychology, and you meet someone anxious over the day's news. They've lost relationships with their family and friends because of political differences and cannot stop checking their phone. What would you think was going on? It was an easy answer. Jenny has seen these symptoms in her office. I would think they were being abused. It's not easy to stay healthy, even in the best relationships, but in an abusive relationship, mental health is always compromised. In a healthy relationship, you are able to extend care to another person and vice versa. In an abusive relationship, in order to stay sane, you have to stay in constant connection with your boundaries and self-respect because the abuser is not able to consider your needs, your feelings, or your perspective. When things are going well, it's usually because you both need the same things. As long as you prioritize their needs, you will be safe, maybe even satisfied with some aspects of the relationship. For example, many in an abusive relationship might say, we have a good time together as long as I don't have any different opinions or needs. When someone else controls your life, your top priority is to keep the peace. You believe if you can get on the same team as the abuser, you will be safe. You convince yourself your desire to care for the abuser is for their sake. They are human, they have good qualities, and they deserve love and care. You believe if you love and care for them, they will learn empathy. They will become more human. If there is any hope for society, we must care for ourselves first. We must treat ourselves with empathy and allow ourselves to be who we are. But keep in mind the abuser we are discussing is not human. This can be confusing because so much human interaction happens through the internet. The humans on both sides of our screens, users, developers, and influencers, deserve to be treated with respect, love, and care. Everyone who creates and participates in our digital world deserves dignity. However, that world has taken on a life of its own, and in this culture that's driven by algorithms and billions of dollars, we say is abusive. Imagine if every interaction with another person was mediated by an abuser. Have you ever wondered why there's so much violence these days or noticed that everyone seems angry all of the time? When did everyone become so quick to snap, not just online but in real life too? It all makes sense when you picture the abuser communicating all our messages. With that in mind, it is remarkable we have as many good interactions on the internet as we do. This is what gives us hope and why we wrote this book. We believe if we can be honest and aware that the internet and social media are not empathetic sources, that their business models do not have our best interest in mind, and we are not authentically communicating through this abusive system, then there is hope that we can be, do, and create something better in the virtual world. Albert Einstein once said, The world as we have created it is a process of our thinking. We are the world. It's us. Whatever we believe about the current state of our world, it's important to remember the world is not out there. The world is in us, and the world is us. The world we see is a reflection of what is inside each person. In that light, we're also our digital world, a cyber cyber world we have created individually and collectively. We populate the Google searches, Write the Wikipedia definitions and determine what's trending. Our digital experience is made up of what we choose to post, comment, or like. What we share, who we follow and allow to follow us, what and how long we watch, what we buy, and what we search. We feed the algorithms so they will feed us more of what we want. This is the internet we have all come to love and hate. We can no longer call our mobile phones and computers tools. These devices are extensions of ourselves and a part of the whole worldwide collective consciousness that we engage in daily. Every view, search, swipe, and click is recorded, tracked, and used to learn to better communicate to the person coming after you, the same exact way that our brain creates new neural pathways. But so much immersion is exhausting. We are overwhelmed and overly aware of everything happening in the world, and we're often unaware of what's happening in our soul. As William Wordsworth wrote, The world is too much with us, late and soon, getting and spending. We lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away, a sordid boon. Our collective soul is suffering, and it's only by healing our individual souls that we can heal our collective and digital soul. We hope to start a new conversation and make a new path available to help us get honest about the nature of this abuser. When we know the truth about who and what we're dealing with, we can learn to take care of ourselves, respect each other's humanity, and bring collective healing to our digital world. These questions will help you determine if you're being controlled by the Internet. Does your media use dictate how you live your life? Can you vacation or spend time with a friend without posting about it? Do you periodically question your standing on social media? Are you preoccupied with checking social media to see who is living up to the standards? Is your self-esteem and self-worth linked to your standing on social media? Do you think your physical appearance, fashion, hair, body, or filters are an indicator of self-acceptance and approval on social media? Has the initial joy you felt when joining social media been replaced with worry? Do you feel you're not doing enough, are not good enough, or cannot live up to the expectations? Are you worried about FOMO, the fear of missing out? Does your time on media uplift and give you strength, or does it leave you feeling sad, beaten down, or depressed? Do you see social media as a harsh taskmaster waiting for you to mess up so it can cancel you? Our digital world reflects the best and worst of us and everything in between. In some parts, we find inspiration, education, kindness, humor, and generosity. We know what people eat and where they vacation. We see their children, their pets, their hopes, and their dreams. We love to share our lives with the world, and this is good. Of course, we have the negative side, too. Books could be written and have been on the criminal criminally- the criminality running rampant in its darkest regions, sex trafficking, illicit drugs, etc. This book is not about the dark side, but its subtle harms, the growing shadow of trauma-related experiences that have a direct effect on those who participate in the digital space. According to cyber psychologist Mary Aiken, technology can make it harder for anyone to control impulses and can facilitate problem behavior. She explains in her book, The Cyber Effect, that now groups can easily syndicate to socialize, normalize, and facilitate any particular interest. This is what we love about the internet. We can find our people. But this also means normalizing or facilitating harmful behaviors like bullying, false accusations, sex offenses eating disorders, addictions, etc. This normalization is a main component in the meteoric rise in depression, anxiety, self-harm, and suicide rates among all age groups since the advent and ongoing daily integration of our digital lives. Jenny Black, co-author, has been a licensed marriage and family therapist for the past 11 years. She's no stranger to trauma. Her clients are survivors of depression, anxiety, abuse, divorce, and neglect. At the beginning of her practice, her clients came for specific issues and needed help working through them. Their issues had a name, trauma. More recently, Jenny has had client after client who wants to be in therapy because they don't know what is wrong. They just know that something is wrong. They're constantly anxious. They know they're broken. They don't feel like they have what it takes to accomplish what everyone else seems able to do each day. They perceive the world as a threat, living with heightened uncertainty, anger, and exhaustion. In short, they are exhibiting classic signs of trauma with no identifiable traumatic event. Jenny's experiences mirrored her clients. Burnout and vicarious trauma led to evaluating her own digital health. For the past several years, she's researched and experimented how to use personal media and not be used by it. Because of her past, she's sensitive to any harmful behavior society tells her to participate in if she wants to be a person of value. There are certain aspects of media she simply cannot tolerate and remain mentally and emotionally healthy. She had to learn the technology and define for herself what's acceptable and sustainable. Bob Hutchins, co-author, has spent 20-plus years in the digital marketing, consumer psychology, and social media advertising world. He was responsible for creating and executing campaigns and strategies for Hollywood blockbusters and Fortune 500 brands. This gave him a front-row seat to observe and learn how the online world, when using the right type of content, can cause people to engage and react almost any way you want. He has seen millions rally behind movies and events from repeatedly being fed the right content. He's overseen teams tasked with getting ads and videos in front of supposedly hard-to-reach demographics, not only to be successful, but to mobilize them to give their time and resources to promote a cause or business. He's also written books on digital media and marketing. Through everything, he noticed a trend. As people spent more time in the virtual world, it merged with the real world so that the line between the two became more and more difficult to distinguish.